0: Do more of what makes you happy is one of the most fundamental things a human can do with their existence. But again, you'll normally see that just on a mug that you might buy in a gift shop. Yeah. If you looked for it, you'd see that slogan 20 times a day. So not in a fridge magnet way, but in an actual way, I'm going to try and do more of the things that make me happy. You are listening to Made of Human, also known as the Mopad, a podcast hosted by Sophie Hagen, who is a Danish comedian. MoPod trying to Mo-po. How to do life Mo-po. Mo-po. But it turns out Mo-po. nobody knows
1: Mo-po. Mo-po. Hello, I am still sitting in the bedroom of Mark, Mark Watson's son. It is not because I've been here for a week. It is because I am recording two intros uh, right after each other. Because I'm trying to be more organized. So I assume you wouldn't listen to this as the first one. I assume you've already listened to the first one uh, that I did last week with Mark Watson, which was his fourth ever Mopad episode, third ever Mopad interview, and part one of this two... Whatever. It's a new episode. I'm talking to Mark Watson. It's sort of a New Year's special where we're talking about self-improvement and New Year's resolutions and uh, self bettering and in this episode we do also touch a bit of pond stuff that has nothing to do with that but it's still i think fairly interesting about the school system because we come from fairly different backgrounds and um i get quite um, excited about school stuff if you want to hear more about my school thoughts <laughs> why would you what a sentence if you want to hear more about my school thoughts jesus christ uh go to um you should listen to secret dinosaur cult my new podcast uh, when you comedy podcast that I do with Jody Mitchell, the amazing, amazing, amazing uh, comedian slash drag king slash improviser slash fucking amazing person. Because um, on that uh, podcast, we have an episode called School, and uh, you should listen to that. And I will rant angrily about the school system in that one. So you can uh, do that if you think that's interesting in this one. Oh, just listen in general, because it's a really funny podcast about dinosaurs and daddy issues and trauma but real funny. And, um, yeah. So apart from that, I'm also going on tour next year, April, May, June, all over the UK. I'll be going to places. Oh, shitting fuck. Oh, sorry. That wasn't for you. Technically. I just realized I'm late for a thing. Uh, don't edit that out, Dave. I think that's very relevant for people to know how I react when I get a text saying, where are we meeting? And I realize, uh uh-oh. Yeah. In Mike Watson's son's bedroom, because that's where I am. Anyways, uh, I will be going to Cambridge, Coventry, Colchester, Cardiff, Salford, Liverpool, Newcastle, Bristol, Birmingham, Leeds, Norwich, Exeter, and London. I'm going to be doing the Bloomsbury Theatre in London in June, and all the dates and all the uh, ticket links and stuff are on sophiehagen.com. I'm going to be bringing my tour, Bubble Wrap, Happy Fat. Bubble Wrap is my first show, uh, which is about mental health and Westlife. <laughs> And uh Happy Fat is my book. Oh my god, I've written a fucking book, and that is coming out in May. You can already pre-order it now. And I'll be doing like a reading Q and I'll be bringing the books out, signing them. I guess if that's what you want, selling them as well if that's what you want. And um, yeah, so it's going to be just like a long, fun show—stand-up, book talk. I'll be there. guess so you can just look at me for a while, right? Anyways, I'm also doing two shows in Denmark in April now. Not the tour that i was just talked about. This is my new, brand, brand new show. My fourth show called The Bum Swing. Yes, that's what it's called. The Bum Swing. Favorite show title I've ever had for a show. Thank you very much. You can, um, it's the first time it's premiering. It's, uh, I'm doing uh, Copenhagen and Aarhus in Denmark in April, the 8th and 10th of April. Tickets on sophiehagen.com. And uh, that will be the show that I then eventually take to Edinburgh in August next year. Now, I'll also be doing previews and working progress shows of The Bum Swing in uh, Glasgow, in Leicester, Leicester Comedy Festival, Glasgow Comedy Festival, and in London with Mark Watson. Isn't that fun? He's also the person you're about to listen to on this podcast. All I meant to say is SophieHiggin.com, you can bypass shows, you can sign up for my newsletter. I'm doing so much stuff, you guys. I'm doing so much stuff. You can basically fill your entire life just with watching me and listening to me and reading stuff I've written. I'm everywhere and I'm too much everywhere. I'm aware of that. I'll, I'll exist less <laughs> soon. I just like creating and uh, yes, I'm enjoying that that's a thing. Now... I uh, will let you listen to this episode with my favourite person, Mark Watson. Is that working? That one. Say something.
0: Okay, hi. Yeah, it's fine. It's quite fun watching the dots, isn't it?
1: I know you're watching it a lot. You're not the best with eye contact, are you?
0: No, well, I just don't like looking at you. I don't like. Oh, cool. I just find it difficult. Yeah. Mm, company, yeah.
1: Yeah, well, great. It's it's
0: like, we're, we're sitting really close together. It feels really like,
1: good. It's yes. not that close. I'm not Harvey weinstein you.
0: Not yet, no. <laughs> um, I'm mindful of how things could develop. We are in a bedroom.
1: <laughs> your son's bedroom.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah.
1: not the sexiest of environment. Most people would not
0: find it a sexy environment, it's <laughs> to say. Well,
1: um, are there things you're disappointed about in, your, in the year that has passed? That you didn't do or that you want to take with you into the next year and do better?
0: Yeah. um,
1: Like, did you think you were going to be in a different place with some things?
0: Yeah, I wanted to be in a boy band. That hasn't really happened.
1: That is the most exciting news. And I can't wait to break it on this podcast.
0: Well, but as I say, it hasn't hasn't (laughs) come about. I guess I just haven't done anything taking any of the steps that you should have done and enter any of the competitions. It's
1: weirdly really my re- resolution as well is to get you to be part of a boy band. Is it? Yeah,
0: I do feel like there's a real public appetite for that to happen. It's just how we get there. Um, I, I think my best shot at it is, um, yeah, if you enter something like The X Factor as a solo artist, and then they quite often clump people yeah. together. That's how I think that is your best chance. To, I think so as well. I can't, it's difficult for me to form a boy band because I need to find loads of other, well, boys. Um,
1: you performed in a, a musical this year, the the comedy um, musical show where comedians sing.
0: Yes, yeah, a step in the right songs. direction. I kind of, I guess, I thought
1: you wore a dress and everything. I, were I, I dressed as
0: someone from Aber and, and wore a dress and sang an ABBA song, and perhaps I, I thought the offers would just keep rolling in after yeah. that, you know. But like, because I don't know where talent scouts and these people pick up new talent. But I, I kind Apparently of imagine
1: in McCandleth Comedy not, Festival, not a
0: musical in. Uh, am I no but that's that's a good example you see I I almost I mean well I wouldn't say I'd forgotten that I did that but it it wouldn't have been in the first 20 things I I named if you said what did you get up to this year or even 50 probably but when I do do my annual um trawl back through the years photos sure enough there will be a picture of me in a kind of silver jumpsuit with a blonde wig on and a a very large tumbler of wine that helped me to get through that experience um and uh That's a good example of a... Admittedly, it was a work thing. um, But it's still a... Very nice, very brief memory, which um, could have been forgotten about. And although that's kind of extreme... For most people, that would be extreme. Like Even for me, it was quite extreme. But again, because you have... Because we have careers where we... Uh, have a lot of big moment big highs and it's this, this, this same year that I went to Denmark with you and oh
1: shit yeah we did
0: those shows in that enormous theatre with your name another I'm just now kind of mentally going back through my pictorial archive of the year and I remember that picture of you or your name plastered across yeah. this Copenhagen theatre and
1: we couldn't take the photo because it was so cold it was too cold to actually we couldn't take get photo our fingers it, so. out of our glass without them freezing yeah
0: that's right in fact I think I posted a, one of my rare Instagram pictures which was just a of just blackness, and it said, "This is you can have to imagine the scene because it's too cold to actually get yeah, phone out of your pocket." Yeah, it
1: Yeah, it's like the coldest it's ever been. Fantastically cold. Yeah.
0: Um, that's but that February. again, that was February. So that that's all part of this. Yeah. This year, this story.
1: We were in. We've been in Melbourne at the same time. We've, since then, since. we've been
0: to Australia together. Yeah. We didn't go together actually, but we, yeah, we
1: were there. We, we were <laughs> both there. <laughs> um,
0: we've like we've been so many, and we're again we're lucky. Not everybody's year contains such a variety of. Things as our job tends to uh, include, but you went to Bali.
1: Okay. <laughs> Shit, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> this is the thing. Can
0: how, how you forget that you went to Bali? But you can, you can. Uh, and again, it doesn't have to be something as extreme as this. The point is just that if you don't make time to think back yeah. over what you've done, loads of also, valuable if, experience yeah, just kind of disappears. But from if your, I had
1: if I had put down that month in like a diary or like a list of things that happened that month, it wouldn't necessarily have been I was in Bali. It would have been. Um, because the first time I went to Bali, that was like huge. And yes, then it, it didn't have much. the same effect. Yeah. And that's probably the most douchey and privileged thing I could possibly <laughs> fucking say. Yes, but what my your point first is- <laughs> Bali is always the one that really
0: stands out.
1: But my point was, um, what was amazing about that trip was, first of all, the realization that that it the first time I went to Bali, it wasn't Bali. It was just the fact that I'd run away. And that was why that was incredible for mm. me. It wasn't like going back to Bali didn't give me the same experience because
0: you weren't the same person,
1: yeah. It wasn't, yeah, exactly. But it was also swimming naked because I had my own pool. I just want to put that out there, yes. (laughs) It wasn't just that's
0: how you came to leave Bali, yeah. That's why I had to leave
1: (laughs) the communal pool. (laughs) They were a bit upset, no, but that was the feel. I got there was this huge revelation about how much I love the water and I love swimming, but uh, and it just Got more and more extreme day to day, like, fuck it, I'm just going to wear less and less, and now why not? Because no one can see me. And it was just like, I've got so, I think it was probably the time of the year where I was the most in touch with my body. So that would be what was written down. It's just because you said that not everyone can have, have this job where these in, incredible yeah, things but the happen. But the point is, it's not it's, about where you are. Yeah, or it wasn't what you're about that. It was about that.
0: mental breakthroughs that you make. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, everybody yeah, yeah. has those. Everybody's interior monologue over the whole year yeah. has, contains these big important moments which nonetheless you can forget you can let go of if you don't keep some sort of record them. and it's i think it's important to say it's not even about like doesn't have to be a diary or anything like that even even just taking a selfie a day will do it anything like there's no effort There doesn't need to be an effort or or like a voice record on your phone it's just about hanging on to because also it's a bit like how if you begin to record your dreams um
1: You you Mm. get more
0: of them because your brain starts to be in in tune. You know, people keep dream diaries and stuff. They always report they've had... They then have had more detailed dreams because um, once trained to do that, your brain retains more of the information. And I think it's the same with everything. If you start making it a habit to look for these moments where you've realised something or you want to retain something, then your brain will just get better at that and you will start to make more of a sense of your life as a, a story in a good way. Yeah, but, I, like, your brain can be trained to do almost anything, I think. It's a it's very kind of um, moldable, malleable thing. So I think if you if you start, um, not even a diary, but if you just start having some sort of bookmark function in your brain where you say, this was the day I learned about myself that, that I would be happiest for being naked, um, then that you will tend to start to... I just think your life, your brain starts to make more sense then. Mm. Yeah.
1: My other thing that I did was the 12 things in a year. <clears throat> and it was kind of meant to be an antidote? Is that how you'd say that? Yeah. Antidote? Eh?
0: Antidote, I think. Antidote. I'd say, but it's the same word. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but. Pronounced. But, uh, yes. Yeah, I have to. I take notes from the Cambridge, i um. I have to push
0: you to, uh, you find it, it is patronising to you to allow you. Well, also, I to, there's, there's a grey area with stuff like that, because I think Americans probably do say antidote. Uh, often you pronounce things American. Well, but
1: I was wondering about when I said vitamins. Is that vitamins? We say vitamins. You Americans say, say vitamins, say vitamins. vitamins. Bi- So you okay. said that. So you're more... E- and then more eye. Yeah,
0: I think so. They, okay. go for, they tend to go for so the anti-eye. They tend to do more eyes. <clears throat> yeah, but why that that's is, good like, I'm not sure.
1: Oh, that's fine. As long as I know the rules. Um, so it was meant to be like an antidote to um, these like punishment revolution, mm. revolutions. What's it called? Resolutions. Resolutions, yeah. Jesus. So just 12
0: nice things. 12, 12 yeah, so I was like, what things.
1: 12 things would I like to experience this year? And this was, again, 16, I think. So it was stuff like uh, visit the National History Museum. and I'd never been. Uh, try eating oysters. Uh, it was... Did you? <laughs> I did. Yeah. It was visit Paris. Uh, no, learn to love Paris. I hated Paris. So I was like, do something that makes you like Paris. Because uh, I thought the train there would be cheaper. Uh, so I was like, oh, maybe I can go once a week. No, no, it's really expensive. You still can't go once a week. Yeah. <laughs> you really can't. It's not no. as cheap as a That's thing. not what it was. I just thought a train must be so much. No, that's not how it works. Uh, so, I ha- and I There are some
0: f- good advance tickets, I think, but you have to be pretty well Because if you do,
1: if you have 12 a year, you could yeah. essentially do them all in the first week of January, and yes, then it's you, done. This
0: is again what I mean about, yeah. like not not uh, constraining your yeah. resolutions. In but that they're way. all nice, they're, things. All they're all lovely. Yeah, things. that's so a lovely I went idea.
1: To Paris, I had like um, two days, and i just gotten paid, and I hadn't paid my rent yet, and I was like, fuck it. So, I went to Paris with two days and i had oysters in paris
0: so that's two in one. and there was another yeah.
1: thing that i also didn't it was something like i had never gotten my nails done i was like that would be nice to so try that so i got that done in paris as well naked in, and I, in a, in a naked Trump swimming around, yeah yeah in paris there's an oyster in there. <laughs> that's how i found the oysters 12 in one day <laughs> but it was the, like forcing yourself to do something that takes you into your body that forces you to be mindful. That forces you to like. It's all like taste and experience and observe. And, yeah,
0: I think that's really good.
1: And it was. A, it was. There was a few of them I ended up not doing because I gave up around September. No, didn't give up. Didn't give up. I just
0: went off in a new direction.
1: I did. I think nine of the twelve things I wanted to do, and that was really great. But it was. An, it, it did. It did something to my year. It made it like this year. I had to. Remember to focus on me and do these nice things. I think that's
0: really good, really valuable, because, as we've said, there's there's um, not much value in trying to make positive changes to yourself by just shutting some things down. Mm. Like, I'm giving up this, I'm giving up that. <clears throat> but also, as I get older, I, I think more almost every year that there is a lot of... Um, there's a lot of intrinsic value just in pleasure, just in being, in making yourself happy in a moment. Like having a nice couple of days in Paris is as worthwhile a resolution as anything really because if that assuming all goes reasonably well, you <laughs> you will be happy consistently for that time, not just because you're doing fun stuff in Paris but because you've uh, set yourself a pleasant target and done it. And I, sometimes it's quite, I think it's underrated that. It is, Even though everyone knows that life is short, even though this like YOLO um, mentality is, well, no, as a meme or whatever, as a a verbal tick, this thing of YOLO, you only live once, all that is um, everywhere around us. But I don't think we live as if that is the case. All the Mm. same, people don't necessarily people say YOLO about stuff like I nearly didn't go to the cinema tonight, but I did in the end, or whatever. Like it's become a, a shorthand for like. I fuck it might as well but if you actually think of the phrase you only live once as in do you want to live your life never having had fun in Paris or do you want to, to have like it's important becomes important L- the pleasures of life are important you, you shouldn't hurt anyone else or barge anyone else out of the way in order to get them obviously but you shouldn't overlook that you, you do not only do you only get one chance as far as we know of being alive but some of your possibilities do diminish as you get older when I look at people who are older old enough to that their freedom of movement is impaired it does make you realize that just going to jump on a train to Paris and wander around for a couple of days is an astonishing gift and it's even though the Eurostar is a bit expensive it's Mm -hmm. also a gift of modernity that we can go you could be in India this time tomorrow if you got your shit together now (laughs) If,
1: well, you, I mean, if you lend
0: me a, a bunch of money, yeah. I mean, you have certain things <laughs> have to happen, yeah. And actually, with the time difference, it wouldn't be. But you yeah, see but my yeah. point. Like, I think there is. Um, I think that mentality of like, well, I should. This is why I haven't. Uh, apart, I mean, perhaps I haven't ever given up drinking because I don't actually have the discipline uh, to do that. But you were ta- asking about. Is there anything that's disappointed you? And and one of the resolutions was one of my resolutions was to do with alcohol and I'd say I've partly, I've like partly done it, which is to dissociate um, alcohol from from um, what well, to get out of the habit of having a drink to, to be less stressed basically or less. I lived in a very, very stressful way um, from about 2012 to 16, 17 arguably and so I was drinking a lot in that period, we've talked about plenty of times before and... The association between um, drinking and feeling a bit better, a bit more on top of things, was kind of dangerous. One, obviously, so, and so this year I've been I've succeeded in um, having a healthier relationship with alcohol, but I still do drink quite a bit when I'm like if I'm worried about my kids, for example, or, or like I respond to pressure situations like parenting problems or other problems. I still do think of um having a drink as a a go-to in that situation and i find that in a way disappointing um and it's something which i'll carry on trying to work on but the thing is and i might i might well regret this in 15 years when i'm told i have sort of a liver condition or something but I, i i don't think i want to be the sort of person that one day stops drinking and then and then that's it because and I, I, this is absolutely not to say that. It's, obviously, it is healthy to, to not to drink fewer units of all the week, and, and if you give up completely and you're fine, everything then well done. And that's yeah. I'm not, I'm not one of these like be some sort of prick who's like, come on, be a legend, keep drinking. It's not that. <laughs> it's just. It's interesting. I I there's a documentary about it. Uh, it must have been around around Edinburgh time or August for uh, civilians <laughs> uh, in the summer. I think it was perhaps more recently than that. Anyway, Adrian Charles, the TV presenter, was talking about it, his drinking habit. He spoke to doctors about it, and to various other people who'd given that. He spoke to Frank Skinner specifically, who was a former alcoholic and he ceased to stop completely. He hasn't drunk for twenty like odd years, and uh, this intrigued me. Uh, Frank Skinner said to him, "My advice would be to." you if you like don't don't give up drinking if you can just drink in moderation do that and this is often what people say when they've given up completely they say i was not able to drink in moderation if i had a drink i would then that becomes 25 drinks. so i had to not do it whatsoever but if you can do it a bit then that's definitely better than not doing it just skinner says something about like that kind of warmth and use some phrase like that White heat of pleasure, or something regarding the first couple of drinks. He said that I've never been able to find anything else to replace that. You know, as a as a sober person. Of course, there's loads of ways you can replace it. Loads of people get the same buzz out of like rock climbing or something. I'm not saying alcohol has any special qualities. Just if there's something you really enjoy, but that you feel is a bit naughty. People do this with food as well, as we know. Then I I definitely think it's got to be better to just find an acceptable way that you can come to a deal with God about it, but still do it rather than one day be like, that's it. That's gone. I mean, it depends what it is. Like my, my best friend, um, was a very long time heavy smoker and she's given up successfully for quite a while. And I would love it if that continued to be a thing for the same sort of reason, I suppose. Not many people can use tobacco in moderation. You're either doing it or not doing it. But with alcohol, you, you can do it. And even if it's not moderation, even if it's slightly more than moderation, and even if I do get in trouble for it in fifteen years, and I'm listening to this podcast thinking, "You prick," I think <laughs> I'll still agree with myself now, which is again, given the fact you only get one life, and there is no kind of certificate at the end for how how well you avoided doing stuff. If there's something you really you enjoy as much as I enjoy wine. I'm going to do it I think I'm not going to do it to the point where a doctor says never drink in or you will die that means you've probably got it wrong but I'm not going to I'm also not going to give it up for this feeling of for this virtuous feeling that people associate with it but you know
1: but isn't that also because a lot of the reasons why people and this is of course not talking about people with addictions because that's obviously a different thing and a um, psychological issue uh, I think you'd assume physiolo- physiological I whatever I
0: say an addiction is potentially both psychological and physical yeah. but you're right yeah it, but I'm just like that. A different. I, of course that's another thing
1: yeah, yeah yeah but I think it's a, well first of all shame the feeling of shame is uh, way more unhealthy than anything yes as you have as I have studied in by in my book forthcoming book, <laughs> book. Yeah. yeah but I think um, I think if you had to give up anything completely it would it should be shame so there's one one thing is giving up, whatever you think is your vice or whatever you think is holding you back, and it's probably worth looking into that and thinking, is it or is the bad feelings I have about it holding me back?
0: Yeah, you
1: I know, mean, like, is my issue that I eat chocolate a lot, or is my issue that every time I do, I feel like I'm a piece of shit?
0: Well, yeah, this is the thing you see. I mean, there have been times when I've drunk too much and. Behave badly and embarrass myself. Fine, like as most people have. But it's quite easy to. Sometimes, you, like I'll be at the bar, just quietly having a drink. Um, say before some gig to a load of bankers or some other environment where I am on my own and and that mental place for me is very pleasant. Or like maybe in a hotel, just sitting at the bar. Like just with my phone, aimlessly looking at football scores or something. Like I, I feel I, I like that, and if it's pretty easy to, as you say, uh, project a load of stuff onto it. You, you think, oh, what do I look like? This guy on his own at a bar with a wine. Oh no, I've ordered another wine. Everyone else here is hanging out, and I'm just like here, on my phone with my wine. What's the matter? But. I don't care what anyone thinks about that. I don't actually care. I don't that there is that stereotype of like this sad guy that you see in um, a film noir who's like you know get me another whiskey and is like gesturing at the bar, all this sort of stuff. And it's, it's, we've, we have a lot of weird stuff about being on our own. Anyway, I think like we've, I think we've probably talked about this before. There's this idea that. A lot of people would not go to a film, say, or a play or anything if they couldn't go with It's someone. a
1: huge thing at the moment. Have you seen it?
0: I've heard a bit of talk about right, it.
1: Like right now, it's all over Twitter and Instagram and about people like... I'm
0: much cooler t- than I think.
1: <laughs> Did you start this? You're the trans starter. But it's such a huge... Like, people uh, are really talking about the... I don't know why... I don't know where it started, but suddenly it's a big thing that... Some people are like, I could never... I could never be alone. I could never eat alone in public... And other people are like, I'm gonna go today and eat alone for the first time. It's and It makes me think about how often I do that so much, and I'm like, wow.
0: It's very interesting. Me, me too. So stressed out with people
1: you know? been around me?
0: Well, it's weird, isn't it? It's kind of like, because also you eat alone quite a lot, and yeah. people people like are alarmed by a fat person like consciously enjoying visibly enjoying yeah, food well, so all in all <laughs> you must be an absolute restaurant clearer I should think yeah like, well
1: I remember once being in a well I was meeting my friends it wasn't even, it doesn't really count but uh, I was an hour early this was in a bar so I was just having a drink and reading a book and there was a couple sitting fairly close to me and they was they seemed to have a good time but they were definitely distracted by me being there by you your existence and eventually yeah. the woman kind of came over and she said you can sit you can sit with us if you want.
0: Thinking, I what? Like, why the hell would I do that? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know you. I'm, r- I'm really good. Thank you.
0: <laughs> it is very interesting, though. and I, I think it's a...
1: But also, because Ed, I was reading Yes Men, so maybe she was like, oh, she's really uh, trying this thing. Yeah, like, right. Say yes to life. Go out and eat alone. Yeah, but she's de-
0: <laughs> but she's dying. Yeah. And so she needs to be salvaged for me. Yeah. And if I say, you want to come with me, she'll also have to say yes yeah yeah. to that. So <laughs> I, I, I can save it. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I did this interesting... Like... I mean, I'm in a um, uh, relationship and I haven't not been in some sort of relationship, you know, m- much in my adult life. But nonetheless, I um, I regard, and I think it's healthy to regard your own mind and space as being quite, like, I as being a very valuable thing. Um, you, a lot of the time people certainly if you say you're going to a concert or film or anything, or going on a holiday or anything, people will always say, who are you going with? It's one of the first mm. questions, who are you going with? And, um, yeah, like, I, because I've been with someone for quite a while, I'm not often in the situation where I do go and see a thing or go to an event on my own. But if I if I, uh, were on my own, I, I would do that. Like, I wouldn't regard it as, a, I wouldn't go out less suddenly because and when I'm away on my own, in hotels and restaurants yeah I'm absolutely delighted to eat on my own it's fine it, and so that to come back to our point to, to give myself and you some credit when I, when I think well should I be sitting here with a wine not talking to anyone or should I be really eating this Or then I will tend to have the thought yeah but would I rather be one of these people who can't go into a bar unless there's eight other people there and the answer is definitely not and that's the thing because of our a terror of solitude culturally a, a guy sitting on his own with a I mean, you, you probably shouldn't have an entire bottle to yourself but nonetheless, yeah. a guy a guy sitting on his own with a, let's say it is a bottle of wine is seen as a, a real a, a worrying case but people individually drinking the same amount but there's a gang of eight of them that's a, a great no out, a successful social group and that's a odd thing I think and that that contributes to this this weird association of shame with certain foods and drinks. The same with eating. Like, you sit on your own and you go and sit on your own and order a big three-course. But not a big three-course, just a normal meal, like a meal in a restaurant. People will look at you like, look at that, that poor woman, obviously with some sort of problem eating. on the, But a group of friends eating the exact same thing, again, it becomes yeah. like, look at this lovely gathering. And of course... But
1: also, I remember, this is a, like, this might be a weird thing, but... Uh, Like the classic Bridget Jones scenario of Bridget Jones being heartbroken, sitting on her couch or in her bed with a big tub of ice ice cream cream in her pajamas crying. That's like a kind of a cutesy thing. But if I'm really happy in my bed, in my pajamas, eating a huge tub of ice cream because I'm just enjoying myself and I'm also fat... That suddenly a, a different it becomes scenario. a problematic
0: behavior. Yeah, where it's
1: like, oh god, you poor. Th- why oh, are you? Oh no, Even are you- she's the crying one. Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm it's all right. Sad. I'm
0: literally <laughs> telling you that I'm having a great time eating this ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? Like, um, this whole again. I mean, this thing of um, comfort food, which that Bridget Jones ice cream. I feel like it was a thing of that time, like the, the '90s. Suddenly, I mean, maybe it isn't sudden. Maybe I was just growing up then. But I definitely remember around and associated with Bridget Jones an enormous upsurge of this idea of like I'm just going to go home and have some cookies because it's been a lot of adverts would suddenly be like a woman you know curling up with chocolate or in the bath with this sense that you can only have nice things basically if you've been heartbroken yeah (laughs) really strange and it does have a knock-on effect because if you think about it I know some things that I know ice cream is potentially unhealthy in large quantities in the same way that wine is. But ultimately, when it comes down to it, why shouldn't you normally have the things that you like? Also, why do you have yeah. to wait for a crisis and then be the sort of person that goes, oh, it's been such a bad day, I'm going to go home and have three scoops of ice cream. Why don't I just eat ice cream if you like nice. it? But also, so,
1: I've, so I've lived in kind of two faces in my head. I've lived in, like, constant shame about everything to do with food, where food was a restriction. You cannot have most foods and it's horrible and don't have too much of it and you talk about it in
0: your forthcoming book but. I
1: do <laughs> out May 2nd you can pre-order it already on Amazon uh, it's like it was this immense this constant shame like any food was combined with so much shame in my head and then I live now where I don't have any shame to do with food I just eat whatever I want whenever I want and I eat less now I'm not saying that necessarily better but my relationship with food I have so much chocolate because I have still have. The, well, I still buy the amount of food that I would if I had an eating disorder. I don't have the eating disorder, so I just have a big box of chocolate and sweets. Yeah. Because my brain's like, but what if one day you need it? Yeah. But it just that just hasn't happened for what five, six, seven years.
0: Yes, because you. Do not have this weird Jekyll and Hyde relationship yeah. with food, where you either terrified. Well, you binge, to have it don't all, you? Because if you're not allowed yeah.
1: to, you're bi- kind of, of the same as going, "Oh, I've done, I've now been to the gym for seven days, but now I suddenly didn't go. Well, fuck it, I'm going to have a huge pizza and shit myself."
0: Exactly. You're like, what well,
1: you don't yeah. like, it doesn't have to be. So, so yeah, I there's a scenario where, is, is where you're
0: not in the gym, but you also haven't shot yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's yeah. fine to be in the middle somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like,
1: if you just allow yourself to. Uh, like, if you if you don't restrict yourself from... And I don't know about alcohol at all, because I don't have that thing with alcohol, but mine was food, and allowing myself to eat whatever I want, whenever I wanted. Fair enough. There were a year or so where it was absolutely out of control. And, well, not out of control, but I just binged a lot and tried to remove the shame first. And then once the shame was gone, the binge eating just sort of stopped. Y- yeah. And it just became... I wasn't fighting anything. I wasn't in a constant state of fighting, myself or my urges, or fighting food, or fighting my consciousness afterwards. No, because
0: you were following what your body basically already knew it wanted, yeah. which is something you've again talk about in the book. And this is the thing you see: a lot of, a lot of our um, association, a lot of our uh, placing shame upon stuff comes from this. I think it's oddly. I don't know if it is specifically this but um, that impulse goes all the way back to uh, much more heavily religious climate I think where almost any pleasure was seen as automatically being a sin and the way to get into heaven was to uh, give up your pleasures pretty much earthly pleasures like almost by definition seen as being bad because heaven is what we're meant to be concentrating on and you know like I said there are people in generations gone by who've virtually didn't enjoy a bloody thing in their entire lives because of this conviction that, that there'd be a massive payoff from god for that and in this like largely secular times we still do sort of live like that like uh, i've had this cream cakes so and now i have to do this thing as a kind of catholic style yeah, thing but like, it's weird how much our behavior is still about for every pleasure, I must
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. inflict yeah, some yeah, shame potatoes, or at least so some punishment upset. on yeah. myself. Yeah. But I think it's also, it's a, I think it's a school thing, and I don't know if I've ever um, aired my grievances about the school system. No,
0: you've always talked about how school was a pleasant, <laughs> a pleasant experience for me, and you, you, you often say things like, "I automatically mm, admire anyone system. who is a teacher." Yeah, you
1: really need some education. That's, that's right. My that's my your favorite song. song, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I there's so much about school where. Like, I've been doing my taxes this past week, because that's fun. And it's really interesting. Like, I really find maths interesting. I really find organisation interesting. I really love language. I really love learning. I actually love history. I fucking didn't when I was at school, because school was just this chore. And it was all about... Why? Well, because you have to. Because I say so. Because you need to do there was no fun there was no yeah and a lot of it was just the way things were presented it was a lot of it just like no one was like read this book because it's such a fucking good book and this meant so much to the world and you're going to feel so many things when you read it we had the chat about uh, Anna Karenina because of our possible maybe future podcast which I, I would love to just also talk about in a bit but where you basically challenged me to read Anna Karenina and every fiber in my body. Well,
0: to, to read a long book. Was, was, yeah, that it? is true. You, you that chose is true. Because you knew that because I I'm was working on. Because I'm stubborn as fuck. At yeah, the time. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it became yes.
1: a it became a very much a symbolic thing. But, but it had to be
0: a long enough book that that you would instinctively think that's work. That's not something. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Yeah, like because I want because I have this
1: innate working class chip on my shoulder about oh, I'm probably not clever enough to read the fancy books. Yeah,
0: which but is nonsense. But it's it comes nonsense. from.
1: It does, but it comes from this, also the school, th- the school thing of thinking that something's a chore and that books that everyone has read other that people do read in school, oh, you know, oh you, God, oh, I have to read all, but then I read, well, some of the book, <laughs> and it's fucking amazing and then you think, it's kind of going back to what I think we said in the last episode, it's meant to be fun. Yeah. Everything's meant to be fun. Stuff like PE is meant to be fun. in school yeah. was meant to be a fun thing because it's moving your body as endorphins, but suddenly it was a horrible... Maths could be fun, but it's just not. Yeah, a good not... example
0: of that is that I love sport and I still didn't like sports lessons at school. I still didn't <laughs> yeah. look forward to it. I And I was luckier than you, I think, at school because I did have a couple of teachers who um, did say things like... I my history teacher in particular was very very good at showing the context of things making you care about what what you were learning about um I had a couple of English teachers again who I remember in fact my breakthrough moment with with books what set me on the path to being obsessed with literature I suppose was a similar moment to what you're talking about with Anna Karenina, but it was at school. It was great expectations. We had to read it over the summer holidays. And not even a long book, not really. But it looks difficult. It's Dickens, obviously. When I was like 14, 15, so I mean, uh, there's a challenge involved. But um because it was something that had to be done during the summer holidays, of course I left it until the last two or three days of that six-week period, like everyone did. And... um and then I remember I was around, my friend, a friend I'm no longer in touch with um, these days. My, so it's odd to think that he had this influence on me, will never know. But uh, a friend called Rob, um, I said, Ah, oh, we've still got, a, can you believe we have to read? I still haven't read, even looked at it, have you? And he said, yeah, I read it. I enjoyed it, actually, it's good. Hmm. And um, he was similar to me. I went home thinking, and I started reading the book, and it is very sort of, particularly famous opening, great is a mesmerising um, opening chapter. But I, I was hooked up very quickly and the difficulty of reading it was completely outweighed by the pleasure. Basically, that thought, this is meant to be fun, had at no point entered my head because the teacher had said, by the time you come back, I want you to have read this. Not, this, not you'll enjoy this, not you. And that wasn't that teacher's fault. Um, it was just the way it was presented. Again, you're right. Um, and it is one of the cruel things about or bittersweet bittersweet things about being an adult. That subjects like history are not just fascinating, but more and more vital to you as you get older. But in inverse proportion to how much time you've actually got to study them. Like, is it to clear a day now to read a book on history is um, a, a big ask for us. But at the time when most of our life was meant to be studying stuff, we didn't. We were, and that's just partly that's just the way that age is obviously when you're young, you rebel against almost anything that you're asked to do. But um, I think it'd be interesting to think how things change because obviously I've got kids now that are in the education system and uh, it's not exactly across the board, but there's no doubt that the general trend in education now is towards finding out what kids want to do, um, letting them reach their own conclusions about what is valuable for them to learn, so-called child-led or student-led education
1: while they're wearing a uniform to suppress their but, uh, personalities a lot of them
0: don't even have that now like really yeah I mean some schools do I my school had a uniform and I loathed it um do you have a some, picture of
1: you wearing a tiny uniform I mean tiny you wearing a tiny uniform
0: whether I have no, one no. and whether you could see it are two different questions of course
1: <laughs> actually I don't suppose
0: I do but my mum my mum will have a picture I of get me in a touch uniform. With her. yeah um oh yeah there are still lots of things about school that are you know kind of unhelpfully regimenting but i think uh, compared with when we were at school and certainly compared with when our every successive generation puts more emphasis on a child's individual relationship with learning so it'll be interesting to see whether the adults that follow us have got a healthier relationship Mm. with stuff that seems like work because they because they weren't made like even if instead of everyone studies great expectations this term we'd been given a list of 12 books and you had to pick one of them Mm. we'd have all done I would not have been dreading the exercise that it was the idea that there was this one classic text and of course there are practical reasons for this It's easy for a teacher to teach one book to a class very difficult to study 12 books individually but still the principle is there anything that feels like a task um you will react to like one and then and it's it's why I'm constantly advocating for people making time to read because even if you liked English at school, like English was my best subject. I still didn't want to read things like Dickens because like, I thought it would be hard and boring. Um, and that was that's me. I was, you know, I was that student. So almost everybody associates reading a book with um, an unpleasant exercise. You still, deep down, feel that you're going to be asked to write an essay about it or something <laughs> like that. And, um, which is one of the things that I change about English teaching, actually, if, if you spent, if you were able to react critically to books by just talking about them more, and or even writing responses to them, but not having to you know write essays about themes and stuff, then everyone would enjoy literature a lot more. But also, anyway, the well, point it's just is just
1: finding the individual, the how the individual works. Yeah, I was. We sometimes had reading hours where it's like for this hour you read. That was my. I never read as much as I did that hour because it was now a competition about how quickly I could read. Yeah, that's the thing. That <laughs> was really good during competition.
0: Yeah, which says something about you, of course. Yeah,
1: my my sickness.
0: <laughs> well, it's interesting that even now, your one of your resistances to say reading a, a classic is, oh, that's not like my team doesn't really do that. I'm not. Like, that's for this other gang of people or yeah. something. On some level, that's how you react to it.
1: No, I, well, that's more... a Yeah, that's more a fear of finding out that I'm stupid.
0: Yeah, but I find that interesting about you because you're very obviously not stupid and not going to be proved to be stupid now at this point in your life, are you? <laughs> not with everything you've already done.
1: Well, not if I don't go near the classics.
0: Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> but it's not...
1: It's also a language thing, because I knew I was going to read it in English. I mean, of course. And I was like, what if all the words are too difficult? Well, that
0: does make sense. I mean, it's, it's stupendously hard for me to imagine reading a work of literature in an, another language, even one that you're fluent in. So really, yeah, you should. But, well, OK, if you were reading it in Danish, though, if you were in Denmark and someone gave you, like, War and Peace to read in Danish, would you still have this reaction of like ah, oh, shit! I'm not going to be able to do this yeah, or I is think it to so. do with the language no
1: no no the language is one is one of the fears but it is like looking at I think it's this strange it's like you know that what was that film with Leonardo DiCaprio where he fights a bear oh, uh, the reverblend the reverblend yeah, yeah whatever Like the idea of the thought of watching that puts me in such a horrible mindset of I think my, what I imagine it to be is this nine hour black and white, just like watching a, a leaf fall off a tree yeah. for nine hours feeling. And I think it's this fear of like, oh, well, all the clever people like this. So it's probably a clever film, meaning that you will find it boring or you won't understand I, it. I
0: do understand that. But actually. when I
1: actually watch the read the classics or watch the films that are being uh, getting Oscars and stuff, I'm like, oh, this is really good. And then I'm surprised by it being good because which is weird because of course that was the whole point of it to begin with
0: yeah but I know what you mean because I'm a bit like that with films because I'm not exactly I'm not much of a film buff and like there is a there's a culture of talking about films and appreciating films that are obscure which and this does exist within
1: oh yeah that I know literature as
0: well like there's there's a enclave of people who read and enjoy in inverted commas literary fiction who will you know like make a point of praising a book because it's not easy to understand like, yeah. that, that there is all that but ironically well, it's not exactly an irony but I suppose the word is paradoxically books like Anna Karenina or Dickens or anything that is a world classic will never be that because it wouldn't have become a popular classic if it hadn't been mm. really easy to read for large Now that's one of the oddest things about it that the reason that Dickens say that his body of work is so um, like has survived so well is, because it was aimed at almost everyone being able to understand it and read it. That was why it, you know, that was why it became the first like massive popular success. It's a it's an odd thing that I think Dickens, if he was alive now, well, I mean, he'd have loads of other stuff to think about. <laughs> um, he'd have all sorts of problems, but I think he'd be he'd be delighted to find he was still a, like a literary celebrity. But he'd be very confused by the idea that people thought it would be difficult to read his stuff because this whole not, not quite the same with Tolstoy but like most very very famous writers just set out to address as many people as possible and it's weird that in our times great literature has become something we think of as being only aimed at a select few when most not all but most famous writers have specifically tried to get away uh, from that but about you I find it interesting about you anyway because there is this kind of um this is different from what we began talking about but I do think it's interesting <laughs> that there's this kind of um uh not anti-intellectual streak in you but like when you talk on stage about um you've got these jokes about Cambridge for example which and about this or oxbridge really but the yeah. joke about like self-satisfied elites of people that you know and there's only a couple of throwaway yeah. jokes and i having been to cambridge <laughs> um <laughs> i don't like i i i like i thought to myself honestly do i like so something about it doesn't sit right with me but I genuinely don't think it's that I'm offended by it as a Cambridge graduate because um for a start it's my it's so far in my past and I hardly remember myself as that person but more to the point I don't attach any specific value to like I, so I don't but I don't think it's that I don't think it's that. oh that's my university how dare you, you know but nonetheless so I ask myself what it is and I think that makes me uneasy about those sort of jokes. And I think it is that I do find it a bit odd when you sell yourself as existing outside this world of like intellect or clever, clever, or whatever, just because you're so, you're so so clever and you juggle enormous ideas so well, basically. I find your brain so inspiring that it's odd to have you talk about academic achievement as if that's somehow a separate category of stuff.
1: Well, I find it, interesting that you think it's about intellectualism and intelligence because I think that's almost my point is it's like it might be a weird segue but it's like a, not a segue but it's a weird side point this weird argument I had with my mother where I told her how much I cheated in exams at school and she said Oh, that's disappointing, and I got really angry because do you have any idea how intelligent you have to be to be able to cheat? Yeah, as far as you're concerned, that's get as away good a good measure it. of intelligence. Yeah, as
0: if you done well you, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And it was—it's this weird thing of well, intelli- there's intelligence. This intelligence, this academic intelligence. I've read a lot of books, I know a lot of the rules, I can speak the language proper, all of those things. Sure, but the intelligence that I've seen in People who are working class who don't have an academic education, people who have emotional intelligence or a maturity of intelligence, or just like a world experience of intel like yeah. that sort of cleverness is like I praise that, I love that, I'm I'm turned on by that. But uh, the the putting it up on the the kind of the Oh, how do you? Was even the smugness of taking pride in something that it's take if you've achieved anything, of course, take pride in that. But is it's the it's so difficult for so many people to even go to reach the point where they go to universities, particularly in the UK In Denmark. At least you don't sure. pay for it, so it's a lesser thing, which is probably part of my wanting to joke about it is because in Denmark going to uni it's much less of a privilege than it is here. Yes. Because most people can sort of do it financially-ish. Um, and then there's other cultural reasons why you might not or other whatever psychological reasons or whatever. But it it is the reason I think it's fun is to go is, is because it doesn't have anything to do with intelligence it has as much to do with intelligence as it has to do with privilege and you wouldn't be a smug and not you particularly of course you wouldn't be a smug about the privilege side of it and having gifting at Cambridge Uni and having said to them oh this is white and then having been attacked by 20 people going, actually, actually, it has nothing to do with... It. and uh, Like, the tenseness of people not wanting to admit that the reason you have a fancy education is because you're clever, but partly because you're fucking privileged.
0: Sure. And I get all that, and I, and I can well imagine. I mean, again, I, it's a weird one because, you know, even Cambridge University is such a... Uh, Loosely affiliated bunch, like you, if to say I gig that Cambridge University is like it's only one of like 30 different colleges, which oh, yeah, the, I have no idea. each one of those has got a very different relationship with privilege the and union? wealth and so on. Student union, that's yeah, the, so the student thing. union, I don't, I don't, example, I don't remember like the student union is a, kind it's a weird of weird basement, is a, a really odd like reflection of the university. But that's the kind of side, I mean, you're you're right, you're absolutely right that nobody should value. Um, nobody should pride themselves on having attained something which was basically at least partly the product of privilege. So I get all that, but I sometimes think that I think that there's danger of a. Um, I mean, this is way away from where we what we're meant to be talking about. Hmm. But I just, if that, if you don't mind that, of course. I think, I suppose what I think is, um, I, I don't think there needs necessarily to be. Well, for, um, actually, there's two things. Firstly. I, I, although it is true that you need to be um that you, you need to be fortunate in this country to go to university in certain key ways i think it's dangerous to say there are people who go to say cambridge and then there are people who are working class who have a different type of intelligence because uh, there's quite a large uh, body of people in the middle of that venn diagram like my friend breen or your friend Del, our friend dell who are absolutely are working class but nonetheless Become academically very successful. Oh yeah, so I, I think it's risky to say. I, no, I think there what, are like the clever people that go to uni, and then there are the poor people who don't. No, and I don't. Of people are both. I of didn't mean things.
1: to say that because, like, I know a bunch of poor working class people who went to uni. Um, I went to uni seven times. Yeah, I mean, class. Yeah. It's more that there are. It is loosely connected because if you're a working class, you may not have had the time the resources the all been encouraged to, to, oh, to think be of yourself that way of course exactly yeah. and then there's None also the I fact deny. that you have to borrow a shit ton of money to get into these places
0: true mind you that in a way our education system is so screwed up that that also is the case like there's almost a level of, like I'm middle class but I nonetheless had to borrow 10,000 pounds That's to exactly. go to university because n- almost nobody is rich enough to do it under their own steam. like almost everyone does have a loan but e leaving economics aside, I suppose what yeah, I suppose what I think is, um Yeah, I don't think there's as much of a gap between academic achievement and different types of like emotional intelligence as you think there is. Or if there is that gap, it is still it's possible to see them all as part of one thing. I don't think you need to be opposed to the idea of like university cleverness, university commas. In order to protect the uh, value of other types of intelligence, I think they're all part of the same thing. Well, see,
1: that's what I then. Because what. The weirdness of even discussing this with you.
0: I know it's strange, and I don't no, know why no, no, I keep no, coming no,
1: back. To no, 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 but that's. It's because. Like, to me, you are, like, hashtag not all Cambridge students. <laughs> because. Because. And that's why we're friends, part of why we're friends. Is you, you don't see the world that way you don't have that mentality and you do you do genuinely appreciate all people like you're the worst person to bitch with because you, you're so I'm not bad you kind of are because you you'll say you'll say something bitchy. Don't get me wrong, you'll bitch. Oh,
0: yeah, I'm full of. But it.
1: then you go, yeah, but maybe that person has had a, a really hard day, and then maybe also I didn't know I do actually like them in some way. And I do use the I phrase to be fair, be fair to him. them an yeah, awful lot. You do.
0: Yeah. I've never had a bitch session with that. At some point, uh, saying to be fair though.
1: Yeah, and then you go, oh yeah, of course I thought that as well. Shit, uh, but so you you're not this. So for you, yeah, for you, you I've never ever heard you be. Smug about anything. Like, you could fucking win a Nobel Prize, you'd still be like, oh yeah, but I don't know, I could it's probably still live in, oh, what a shame, and also I shouldn't have. Like, you.
0: I missed the plane to Sweden. <laughs> yeah. <A> poor organizational <laughs> skills.
1: So, you, you don't fall into this category. So, when you say that there isn't. that I shouldn't need to protect this other kind of intelligence, no, not from you, because you know. And I know, and a lot of the people that will listen to this, and a lot of the people who I, you know, have that I have in my life, know that that's not the case. But that is
0: not the norm, is your but point? That is
1: not the fucking norm. And the, the amounts of conversations I've had with people who graduated from Cambridge, who who say that, kind of, t- as if to say, this is why I'm better.
0: Sure. Well, anyone that's doing that is is. Not only a prick, but mm. doesn't really understand how things work, it's true. But which, is,
1: yeah. which is, and watch me pull this out, which is about essentially capitalism because higher education, Cambridge, is connected in some way to capital, is connected to, you know, even if you just have the time to take those years out of your life to not make money, you know, and then you end up in higher paying jobs, most likely. You know, there's, of course, there's a lot of caveats to this, but essentially... Higher education, more money. Lower education, less money. Very, very broadly speaking, um, that is wh- that is why it's being praised because we, you know, money controls the entire world, which is also why. And I want to take this back to before we uh, to wrap it up. Um, this thing of it's meant to be fun, which I feel like is a really good. It's thing. a nice
0: overarching thing. Yeah, for people it's to this, have in their minds. It's it? this
1: question of why is everything a negative, why is it always, I have to restrict myself, I have to restrain myself, I have to be better, I'm not good enough, why is uh, this book, oh, it's probably a chore, why do I even have to do this, and I've not uh, written a diary for that one day, why am I a piece of shit, and I think that is all to do with creating a hole inside of people that they need to fill with stuff, because then, when you watch all the adverts, as you said, it's, a fat, sad woman and a happy, thin woman. How you can become this better version. And that fills that hole you have of, oh, maybe that's why I'm sad. So I think that's why, essentially, capitalism, poverty, it's all connected to what we're basically talking about, which is how to become less sad. Oh
0: yeah, do you know what I mean well it's certainly true that like it's you're right and it's well documented that advertising and the whole structure that advertising underpins i e like, capitalism does yeah operates by creating a need in you or a, a feeling of a, something you're lacking which you don't have to in most cases buy um and what you're saying is basically because we live in um inescapably in capitalism that all of our behavior is about. Is based on that pattern so it's trying to replace things that we feel we should have and you're probably right Um, but yeah I think what I'd say is even when it hasn't been about capitalism it's like to come back to this idea of it before or at least not. there's never been a before capitalism but before corporations there was the church uh, many of us grew up in schools where this kind of thing the common denominator probably is the human need for order and structures to control us means that we do end up feeling like we're doing something wrong. Whether it's because we feel like we should have bought something, brackets capitalism, or we should have behaved differently to get into the afterlife, or just to get the approval of a school teacher, we do we do spend a lot of our life looking for the approval of either ah, corporations or bodies. I don't just mean corporations in capitalism; I mean groups, authorities and if you do live like that enough then yeah you'll always punish yourself for something i think it, it, it's meant to be fun is a is a it's just amazing really given the the, sh- the one shot at human life we have and the resources that people listening to this have including us like and i don't mean money either i just mean given the potential to enjoy life that we all have it's kind of a tragedy that we should be having to sit here agreeing that that fun is an option you know and and encouraging people listening to pursue fun in whatever form it might come and again it comes with the usual caveats that you shouldn't you should try not to hurt other people or to um or for your fun to make them a victim but we're not really talking about that most of the guilt we feel about pursuing our pleasures is not to do with what it will do to other people some of it
1: yeah it's just a matter of saying Hey you got out of bed Well done Instead of saying Oh fuck You didn't do your laundry
0: Yeah or uh, Yeah I got out of bed late Like Feeling guilty about that Rather than just thinking Yeah but sleep Or, or rest is an, is an activity still You can put a positive spin On almost And a negative spin On almost anything And Because the negative spin Tends to fit um, Either the vested interest Of capitalism As you would say Or some more uh, Nebulous Sense that we have of guilt that we carry over from Christ knows when brackets was what I would say regardless of why we tend to put negative spin on things more readily than positive spin and that's why we live in this peculiar age where people will be on Twitter going I feel so bad I had a, that I had a cake at lunchtime or you know and they really mean it as well they really do feel bad but that's because we've been yeah and if there's one I haven't drawn up my resolutions yet I do it as late as possible in a given year um But a good, a good overarching thing, philosophy for them is not just enjoy life more, which we're all aware we should be doing, but permit yourself to enjoy life more and try to separate yourself from the weird guilt that we, it's the same with like, you know, people talk about, I've just binged eight hours on Netflix or something like, oh, what am I doing with my life? And the answer is, well, are doing that? Like, consuming other people's art is not... It depends what it is. If it's eight hours of crap that you didn't even want to watch, but you just... Or if it's set, just anything that's know,
1: toxic that makes you feel bad. Or
0: something that was that you were watching kind of in spite of your own best yeah. instincts, then, yeah, that's a problem. If it was just you wanted to watch something because it was good and you are enjoying it... Um, And in that way, you were interacting with the rest of the human race with something that people deliberately made to be interacted with. And what's wrong with that?
1: Also, a lot of the things you do, it's because either your body or your brain wants to do it. Like yes. if you I slept twelve hours the other night and I was shocked with myself that that even happened, but like my I've been sick for two weeks now, of course, my body needed yeah,
0: your body imposes certain rest. things on yeah. you I
1: should be fucking grateful that my body showed me that that was what we needed, yeah I, 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 I would have forced myself up after seven hours again, you talk
0: about this in your book quite a lot <laughs> of our physical compulsions, even our mental compulsions come from the body naturally seeking to redress something which isn't there, and um. You know, again, it's it's a little, without wishing to simplify a very complicated question too much, it is kind of fucked up that we. that will go along with the messages about what we need from almost anywhere else, like from adverts, from what's coming out of the computer, but uh, refuse to listen to our own body and brain's ideas of what we need in a given moment. So that would be a good thing to start doing.
1: (laughs) Which leads me to just to round things up. So you have. The life should be more fun you have uh, enjoy life more
0: enjoy life more do
1: you have any inklings like, about
0: th- this thing of like do uh, do uh, more of the things that make you happy you'll see that quite a lot but again it's a kind of odd um, it's an odd characteristic of our age that uh, we're so suffused by that kind of wisdom, by this bite-sized wisdom that it almost becomes meaningless because like do more of what makes you happy is one of the most fundamental things a human can do with their existence but again you'll normally see that just on a mug that you might buy in a gift shop or you'll see it on a greetings card or if you wanted to if you looked for it you'd see that slogan 20 times a day so like not in a fridge magnet way but in a in a actual way i would like i'm going to try and do more of the things that make me happy which tends to mean surrounding myself with the right people doing activities which yeah are fun even though they have no kind of long-term or intrinsic value all that kind of thing i think that will be the overall theme of my there are lots of there are lots of more specific things to do with the way i'm raising my kids and the way i'm um and and work things but the only philosophy that makes sense that ties everything i want to do together in the coming year is is to do with that to do with enjoying every moment as much as possible and if there are moments you're not enjoying trying to at least find something good in them um yeah, I'm not feeling bad about it because, again, life is relatively short. Um, I've heard it said plenty of times that the things you, at the end of your life, you regret the things you did not do rather than things you did do. And that is a simplification, obviously, because if if you like jumped into a bonfire just for fun, then you will regret that at the end of your life. You won't regret not jumping into a bonfire. So it's, it's not 100%. It doesn't match up quite obviously with logic. But there is something in it you'd want to be at the end of your life looking back thinking Christ can you believe I did that thing or well I remember when we did that that was stupid but fun rather than thinking well remember that time I avoided going to Belgium like and no one wants to be that person
1: I think I'm going to be really happy with how many uh meetings I've cancelled
0: oh I mean like, there are some oh, things God, that are well worth avoiding all of 2018
1: yeah. was just sleeping in <laughs> What yeah, great, yeah. Oh, don't get me wrong.
0: If there are <laughs> things you can... Have, but even that is like... Uh, but that's also know, not
1: avoiding something you don't want to do. Yeah. To, in order to do something you actually want yeah, to do. just to sustain fucking bad.
0: Without, yeah. While staying on the right side of out-and-out out selfishness, if you can safeguard happiness for yourself by avoiding things you don't want to do, then, you, again, simple rule, but you will definitely have a better life. Yeah.
1: Uh... You're going on tour. Do you want to plug some things? Uh, do you do you want to quickly just because Just because I promised that I would mention it. You did. The podcast, the podcast yeah. that we may or may not at some point. Well, we've sort of done before. We've, we've done not. a
0: few, in fact, haven't we, as a kind of trial thing. It's a podcast where we challenge each other to make, a, well, not even to make a change, to do one thing. In fact, it is that simple. To, uh, the idea is, is towards self-improvement, obviously. And um, so we had a couple of challenges that were about Uh, experiencing things from each other's point of view like i had to pretend to pretend to be fat i had to experience (laughs) fatness a a bit by carrying a bag around all day you had to do a certain number of steps a day we tried to increase empathy on both sides by and then the the most recent one is this thing where i asked you to read a more than 900 page book and you asked me to ride a bike um and we've hit a wall because none yeah. of us has done those things.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think we, it escalated too quickly. Yes. The, it was the trouble too the difficult too quickly. If, you, if yeah. you
0: can't do the challenge, then you just can't ever meet again. <laughs> but I think there's something in it. And I do think that it sometimes takes a friend who knows you very well to um, push you in the direction of doing something that you wouldn't have otherwise done. And yeah. that is the the aim of the podcast is to exploit our knowledge of each other. to um, Because you are often not the best judge of what you should be doing. Yeah. But, we, well, we'll get back on that as soon as we've done these... T- how, how far into the book are you, even? How We're far into my... Into the book. You're further than I am into my biking, because I <laughs> literally haven't been on a bike.
1: I think I'm about 200 pages in. 200
0: pages in, and I haven't even got on a bicycle, so... It, yeah,
1: but to be fair, I didn't I haven't read it since October. Yeah. So it's not like I'm getting No, you're closer. not reading it
0: a page every... No, you're you're. you're I divided
1: your it up. I gave myself a month and set like, 30 pages a day... Yeah, and then I just didn't. Like, if I'd read one page a day, it would have been closer.
0: Yeah, you didn't because other things got in the way, yeah, and just, I haven't gotten yeah. the bike. Less because of reluctance, and again, more because it was never the the most pressing thing to do in that yeah, moment. Yeah, but this but is We have a deadline it, as well. Is, we yeah, haven't had the big moment.
1: We don't have the time exactly, pressure, which and this is what, what we're talking about. But this yeah. is the,
0: the whole point of it: is to make you do things which you do not feel are ever going to be the priority but which once you've done them you're really pleased about so that's we're gonna have to do it at some point we have to Uh,
1: um,
0: the funny thing is you know even though my task is theoretically more difficult for me because i can't ride bike I've only got one day to do it, whereas you'll still have six hundred pages of a book Jeez. to read. So I cannot. not I can't now ever I'll have to read it again. Yet. Just <laughs>
1: I have to read it again just to make sure I remember. Ooh, that. That. Oh, that's the
0: other thing. Once you've gone away from a book for that long, I think I remember the,
1: the thing the, the things that have happened, but I don't remember the names. No, and they all have eleven names They've got, names got more each.
0: than four names each because they're I've Russian. I really yeah.
1: fucking enjoyed it, and I need to. It's meant to be fun. It's meant to be it's fun. It's Exactly fun. the point. Um,
0: not. I must force myself to go back to that book. No, I am looking forward to revisiting that book.
1: Yeah. And I am. That's yeah. That's a the theme of two thousand nineteen. It's meant
0: to be fun. Maybe grab a bit of Christmas time when it's you know like family stuff and you, you need to get <laughs> so away relax from. Relax the
1: Russian it. Russian yeah. novel from the 1800s. Well, anything's more relaxing than chatting <laughs> to your family sometimes. Um, I, I could obviously uh, talk to you forever because, well, and I will, but maybe not, uh, not whilst all recording continuously, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, plug your things You're oh okay well to i'm on tour
0: in it. well february almost for the whole year really or at least there'll be dates spread across the whole year so you know it's quite easy to find if you ever wanted to sit i mean, the thing is by, by listening to this if they've listened to the whole of this podcast that's probably more of me talking than a whole show so
1: yeah but it's probably funnier your yeah, show not I, this podcast
0: true tr- there's more laughs i suppose yeah so it depends <laughs> what you want i suppose but anyway i'm on tour um the simplest thing to say is just look me up on the internet. I suppose because like, there's always, but also we do lots of sh- shows together. Oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah. We like, have loads of shows together, y- which it,
1: is probably mostly on my website.
0: Yeah, I suppose what I'd say is if you if you have even half an intention of watching me live, then you'll be able to do it without any trouble. I used to spend a lot of time on radio interviews and stuff like spelling it, getting the websites, and yeah, Where yeah. can they find you and stuff like that? But these days I always say, well, just if, just Google it. <laughs> if you remember my name, then you're almost there.
1: Before we stop, you've, this is the third time you've done this podcast, and I appreciate it. I know you're yeah. very busy, and I'm very, very grateful that you. Well, the third time, but I think two of them have been double episodes. Yeah, so I've fifth
0: probably said more words. Moped than, than, yeah, episode. The, the, the guest. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, which means I think you answered this the last time. If you didn't answer it the last time, you definitely answered it the first time. But it's been a while, and things may have changed. So. In the event that you are in the delivery room Ah, and you're holding yourself as a baby, teeny tiny Mark Watson, crying, crying, so scared of everything. Um, And you can say something to tiny scared Mark Watson that you can't change anything. You cannot give yourself advice. That's very important. Yes. You cannot give yourself advice because that won't work. You can't change the future at all. But you can say something about the next 38...
0: I'm about to be 39. So Almost 39 years. Um, of this
1: baby's life what would you say to a teeny tiny well, we, baby we, like Watson
0: we talked about this the other day of course off air, that you were saying why do people always break the rules and try to give advice and I was saying but I didn't
1: say it like annoyingly, like not annoyingly. That. I wasn't like no, oh. you were just
0: intrigued by the fact that people yeah, seem people to find not. it almost impossible yeah. to do and I was saying it's because it's something you to do with narratively you can't accept that you can't change it because you feel like if you had this chance at all you, even by definition you must be able to change it but as you say that's not the game it makes it meaningless so given that I think all all you can say is basically it's going to be alright. Even if I just had one sentence, I would just say it's going to be alright. Like, loads of good stuff will happen, loads of bad stuff will happen. Um, Just, just be something like be aware that life. That's what life is. Don't live. Well, this is advice again, isn't it? So you can't even say be aware or don't do this. It's just simply life will be what it will be, and that'll be fine. To get on with that, and that's almost the only answer you can give if you're not allowed to actually direct events. to and it's a good enough answer because uh, life is your life is as it is, and accepting that and feeling like okay, this this is it, this will do, this is fine, is pretty much all you can really ask, especially for a baby because they really they're really upset a lot of the time.
1: Thank you so much for doing this.
0: Well, weirdly, when babies just born. <laughs> Like they cry. Obviously, I saw both of my babies being born, and they do wail quite a bit for like an hour, the first hour on earth. But then they they do kind of fall asleep for very very long periods. Or a lot of babies do. And so for the first week or two of your life, you are basically getting it right, just doing almost nothing and just letting things kind of wash over you. It's only it's only when you start trying to make a change to things that you. So maybe you know, maybe I'll taste the baby. Just keep keep doing this, basically because as soon as you start having projects you'll start to worry but yeah.
1: that's, that's advice I made, I made the mistake of saying thank you for doing this way too early because you had more to say yeah, so well, now I'm just no, leaving I a did, lot I of I didn't time. expect to start
0: talking about babies but it just occurred to me that yeah it's interesting you do, you do um, yeah it's only a few weeks in that your emotions start to really however oh, well, we're both past that now bye
1: <laughs> <laughs> bye thank you for doing this no Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that uh, everything that came with it. Uh, thank you again for supporting. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for uh five star ratings on iTunes. Thank you for your comments. I read them every once in a while, and I get so happy that you leave such nice messages and it does really matter. I don't know why it's an algorithm thing, but it really matters and if not you know, to iTunes, it matters to me as a person, and I'm very grateful. Now, uh, I don't know if you remember, I got a text earlier. that Someone said, where are we, where are we meeting? And I realized, oh, no, <laughs> so I'm going to rush a bit through this. This is so professional. Um, but I do want to say a massive thank you to the people supporting this podcast. Uh, it's just uh, heartwarming, and I really appreciate it. Uh, do message Mark. Well, don't message him, but, like, tweet him and um and thank him for doing this because he was very busy and very stressed and he still that's the kind of person he is i was like i need help my uh my podcast producer needs the episodes now and i've not recorded any because i haven't been able to speak for two weeks because i've been sick and he just did it so kind so uh do tweet him and thank him for giving his time and his wisdom and his uh very great voice i just heard them in my headphones i was like oh hello mark watson No, I should not be saying that in his uh, son's bedroom. Did I mention that I was in his son's bedroom? Right. What you can do is you can give a one-off donation through PayPal on uh, madeofhumanpodcast.com or you can become a patron. That is where you give a certain amount per episode at the end of the month or like the first of the next month. It'll automatically just deduct it. Um, no funny business, it's not going to take too much money, because you can give like a, what's it called, like a limit, so it's not like I can suddenly just release a thousand episodes and move to Mexico. So uh, it's very safe, very good. I back it, and it's helping me so, so, so much. And if you give more than $5 per episode, um, you can convert that yourself, if you give more than $5 per episode, you become a friend of the podcast, meaning that I will butcher your name at the very end of the episode, which is what's about to happen now. These are the legends who have helped me so far, the people whose names will now be read out loud for a second time in Mark Watson's son's bedroom. Uh, I would like to give a massive thank you to... Andrea Papillon, Andy Walker, Anya Knoplaug, Autumn Bluesky, Barry Norton, Caitlin, Cat Porsey, Claire McCallum, Danny Beckett, Daniel Shade. Daphne Fanger, Eleanor, Emma Appleton, Emma Chan, Fiona Richardson, George Pearson, Hannah Kiel, Harry Dyke, Harry and Lily French, Harry Minnett, Helena Thomas, Ida Søgaard Larsen, Inger Ellingsen, James Brand, Jane Mahoney, Joe C., Kathy Draxelbauer, Katie Hatfield, Katrina Engelsen, KT, Kirsten Davidson, Queen T., Maury Fraser, Mansour Amir, uh, Marbles Laws, Marag Fraser, Olivia Rupps, and Paul Swaddle, Perpetual Motion... Pierre Finneuf and we have the three Rachels now Rachel Hemsley Rachel Furley and Rachel Phillips Ragdoll Robert Knowles Robin Capper Russell Hughes Sarah Ferreira Iker Sarah Ferreira Iker uh, Sarah Ellet, Sheena Machette Cole Sissel and Susie Tyler I'm quite excited about this uh, three in a row thing so we have two Emmas we have two Harrys I think we have two we have two Sarahs but one's with an H so it doesn't really count Uh, We now have a Caitlin and a cat, not really the same. I'm just really excited to get more threes. Okay, so if you're called Harry, Sarah, or Emma, then uh, you have to become a friend of the podcast, because it'll sound real good. We have three Emmas. Let's see who gets there first. The Emmas, the Harrys, or the Sarahs. Uh, And if you can get four, we've beaten the Rachels. Yeah, I know, I've just had a two-hour conversation with Mike Watson about being too competitive. I, I hear you, but still, do it. Now, <laughs> you can also, the rest of you, can just change your names. If you all change your names to Rachel, that would be so cool. You can just change your names, and it doesn't matter. I'm gonna, I need to be, I need to be somewhere. I thought, oh, oh shit. Right, I just want to say thank you for listening, and welcome to the new year, I guess. Let's make it a good one. Um... I want to say a huge thank you to my very patient and very dear uh, podcast producer, Dave Pickering, uh, who's also behind podcasts, Getting Better Acquainted, and The Family Tree. I want to thank you Oh, he's also got a a project called uh, Man Spanning Masculinity. It's great. Google it. I want to say thank you to Dave for producing this episode, to Harry Brain for writing and recording the jingle, and to Linda Brinkhaus for the logo, and to Mark Wesson for letting me sit in his son's bedroom. Bye. (laughs) Oh pa